Welcome to Pursuit of Justice. I'm Lise Wheel. Well, summer is finally here. And in Manhattan, I feel like everybody's just got a little bit of summer in their step. And when I think of summer especially, I think of Lady Justice with those scales in her hand. You know, she's just holding them and she's thinking of justice. And she's got that blindfold on. And she's holding those scales of justice and, and wanting justice so badly. And then I think of honor and sacrifice because we just had Memorial Day. And then I think about politics. And I think about Lady Justice and Memorial Day side by side with politics. And I think, what a circus. Politics have just been made to be such a circus, such a sham in so many ways, such a, such a sham, and no justice in so much of it. Um, but I'm going to bring in a very special guest this week who uh, in his prior life was a Republican strategist, still is a strategist, and, is, and in his now life, uh, his, uh, his current life, has got a great show on that happens to be called The Circus on Showtime, and it really brings into light really how much politics is a circus and how far off it is oftentimes from the pursuit of justice. Um, but in doing so, he really sheds so much light on how we can be, be pursuing justice while we look at what the politicians are doing. And in shedding light on that brings so much to us, so much honesty to us, and that is Mark McKinnon, former Republican strategist, now uh, co-creator and starring in the hot, uh, because it's summer, Smash it, the circus. Mark McKinnon, welcome to The Pursuit of Justice with Lise Wheel. It is so great to have you uh, with us here at the with The Pursuit of Justice. I've got to really turn straight to the Roseanne Barr story. Um, of course, you know that uh, she tweeted out all these uh, really horrendous, I mean, I don't, you know, racist, uh, throw on whatever adjective you want, uh, you know, comments, Twitter stuff on Valerie Jarrett, on other folks. I mean, you just, I, I don't think there's any way to defend them. Um, and what would you, what would you do? I mean, if Roseanne Barr came to you and said, uh, Mark McKenna, what do I do? What's my strategy going forward? What would you do with her? Well, it's a, it's a very tough situation, and I, 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 a couple of things I'd offer is just a general observation before what she sure. should do. <laughs> One is that I think it really said a lot for ABC that they stepped up yeah. and canceled the show. It's, you know, it, it's very rare that you'll find a media platform you know, that has a lot of – they've got a lot of people invested in them, including investors, right, and a lot of partners and allies, and most of those people – look to the bottom line. That's what they want from their partnerships or their investments with the company. And so Roseanne was making them a ton of money. So for them to step up and say, listen, this is just inexcusable and it's indefensible. And in this case, we are placing our values over our profits. So that's a big deal, just in terms of a big media company, uh, you know, actually stepping forward and canceling a show that was making them a ton of money. Right. Now, I think it's also going to create a partisan, a greater partisan a spear into into the American psyche, 
because I think that as outrageous as it is, mm-hmm. and I, as you said, I think it's indefensible, but I think there'll be a lot of people who do defend it. And, and they'll really? defend it on purely first, yeah, just on First Amendment grounds. And they'll say, you know, that it's, it's the, you know, it's this fawning liberal elite Hollywood, uh, you know, press that are these snowflakes and just roll over at the first thing. And, and Roseanne did apologize. Yeah. Uh, it's unclear whether or not that was sort of on her own or whether or not uh, that was coerced in any fashion by the company or because of the, the events that were unfolding. But I suspect that people will use this as a, you know, just another part, another weapon in the partisan divide, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I suppose she's going to say, look, you know, um, I made a bad joke and it was in poor taste, but look at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, right? Yeah. And look at how, you know, uh, the press secretary, White House press secretary, uh, White House, uh, not press secretary, White House, um, yeah, press secretary is is roasted and, um, you know, talked about, uh, you know, her looks and all of this. Um, Could that sort of. Analogy yeah, that, yes, I think that's I think that's pretty smart actually, uh, and, and that would be one way to go, which is to say that there's a dual standard here. You know, it's okay when when the left criticizes, uh, or when the right uh, when the left gets criticized, uh, everybody sort of you know um, gets up in arms. When the right is, uh, criticizes or, or makes a joke, they get they get uh, burned at the stake. So that would definitely be a strategy to say that there's a there's a you know it's not a, a fair and balanced system of, of evaluation when, when it comes to comedy or, or what's over the line and and she did she did apologize and so you know uh, so I, I think that there will be uh, I think people will, I think she will and she'll take that line of defense and there, there might be I think certainly other platforms out there that will consider taking up the show hmm. and just say there's America people make mistakes and it's we have you know it's a, it's a, it's a, we have the First Amendment that's what it's for. And, you know, if she hadn't apologized, that'd be another thing. But I think that she's been contrite about it and just say, listen, okay, I went over the line. I'm sorry. Uh, next. And uh, we got a double standard here. And, uh, you know, that we should be able to, you know, we should be able to have uh, to be able to say what we want in America. And, and when we say, when we do cross the line and we acknowledge it, then there should be consideration for that. Okay, let me just take that strand a little further. You say other platforms and, and, and you know, other, other platforms take, taking on the show. So let's just say, you know, I don't know about contracts and all that, but let's just say um, Roseanne gets out of her contract and ABC's canceled that show and another platform, another media platform is able to take up that show and these actors take up that and, and go with to another network or some other platform, let's just put it that way, we don't know, some, you know, anonymous, whatever platform out there, then that divide then becomes, as you put it, this divide, who watches that show and who doesn't, right? I mean, it really, just think about that for a minute. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I, exactly right. It's a, it's a real reflection of our country, and and you know what we have is consumers who can pick and choose whatever sort of news or entertainment that reflects their own bias. We call that confirmation bias. It it confirms the biases that we already have, 
and not only confirms them, but probably expands them in cases like this. But you could easily see, listen, there is, as you know, there is such a appetite and hunger for content right now. We're in the middle of a content revolution, and there are lots of platforms out there, and many way beyond, and some much more well-funded than the standard uh, ABC, CBS, and NBC uh, uh, legacy platforms uh, that I think would jump at doing anything like this. And they know that it may be controversial, but to some degree the controversial the controversy even brings more attention to the talent and to the show. So, uh, but again, it's just, it's feeding this, this this sort of partisan beast and the divide in our country, which uh, you know shows no sign of healing anytime soon. This is just another example. And you talked about this in your latest episode of The Circus on Showtime, <laughs> which is a fabulous show. And I have to tell you that I watched the last, the latest episode in it um, very recently with my 21-year-old daughter, who had just sort of like just kind of meandering through the living room just with... Uh, a random snack. <laughs> I mean, I knew I was interviewing you. And um, so, you know, had my notepad out and was, you know, taking notes of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, but she, you know, she did, did have nothing, no such sort of thing. She was, again, just ran, randomly going through a snack and sat down and started watching and watching and watching and, you know, interested and glued to the set. Um, but in, in this latest episode, you really, you know, you focused a lot on exactly what we just talked about with this content revolution where you went and you, and you interviewed, um, different folk, uh, from different media organizations. And to me that, that a lot of that came forward where you started the show with you, 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 um, the three of you were talking about, uh, recognizing that the first year of the Trump administration really was, I'm, you know, using your French here, a shit show, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that Chris Christie was acknowledging yes. that because, of course, he was a, he had he had planned for months and months to to help organize and and execute the transition. Then he got fired. He just and he was acknowledging the shit show because he said, you know, all that work got thrown out the window, and therefore yeah, it was it was, was that were, it was the SS. Be, uh, you know, I'm using that. <laughs> I don't have to repeat again because, of course, because he was fired. It wouldn't have been that if he hadn't been fired, of course. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, it's, it's it's part of the reason that our show works, and 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 uh, you know, while media is in the middle of a revolution, uh, uh, you know, just around this administration, is because you think about it. What are the three things that make great and interesting drama? You have interesting characters, conflict, and surprise, mm. and we get that not just every week, but every day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's what makes compelling dramas, and and you know, whether you're for Trump or against him or somewhere in the middle. It's just compelling because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, if there had been a Hillary Clinton presidency, there never would have been a season two of the circus, I'm quite certain. Well, carrying through with that, okay, so we, we, we went, started with the shit show, and you went through that, and then you went, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you went through CNN, but then you, you kind of went, you, you, dug, you dug deeper than that, and, and the feeling that was very clear um, from your different interviews was, hey, you know, there's a, a real a, a media revolution going on that, you know, the old days of, you know, you got your different networks, everything, that's so far gone, it's just like, you know, Ice Age gone, right? Well, I thought it was fascinating. What we did is we we went to to a couple of different media operations. One, CNN, and Don Lemon, yeah. 
who, who, and CNN, which of course is what the president calls <laughs> Mecca for fake news, and Don Lemon, who, who Donald Trump calls the dumbest man on right. TV, uh, <laughs> but is obsessed with him. And then, and so we went, we went in and talked to him and, and asked him about sort of his perceptions of the administration and the attacks on him and CNN. And then we went to a completely different place, the Daily Caller, which is a, uh, a conservative website, which is, uh, uh, you know, is, has, had, has met great success. Uh, it's, you know, it was started in 2010. It was Tucker Carlson's uh, brainchild, and you probably know Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, who's now at Fox. And, uh, and, it's, and the, it, it, it couldn't have been more dramatically different <laughs> in tone, style, content, everything. It was co- two completely different universes. And I was, I was just amazed by it because, the, you know, the lemon thing was kind of sedate and calm. And then I walked in the Daily Caller thing, and it was a bunch of, you know, 20-something, yeah, 30-something, yeah. very young, Vaping. very bright, very, very edgy, you know, very, right. really pushing the envelope, but, but also just a completely different take on the news. So you saw a story developing about the, the president uh, equating immigrants with, with, it depends on which you watch, either it was with animals or with MS-13, mm-hmm. he was calling immigrants animals or he was calling MS-13 a, 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 a radical terrorist group of animals. It depends on which channel you're watching. Right, right, exactly. So we watched that through the Daily Caller, and it was so interesting to watch. I found it fascinating. So, I mean, like I said, there was lots to see in both of those environments and lots to sort of reflect on in terms of how they see themselves, how others see them. Uh, but but it's it's uh, it's yeah, I I was really you know I walked away from both of those things having a much you know I, I just it's just such a again fascinated by the experience because it was it felt so different in both places not only in style but in the content as well. Okay, and in in those contents, you were wearing your journalist hat, which is a far cry from what you've done in past lives. You've reincarnated yourself here as a journalist. I want you to put your Republican strategist hat on for a minute, and you've you've done such an amazing job in your career, having done that for President Bush and John McCain, and do it for a second for President Trump, as you have said, you know, the first year was a shit show, say that very quietly. Um, what would you tell him now, as we're now out of that first year, when he's got so many things, um, you know, almost the perfect storm, Stormy, Stormy Daniels, he's got, <laughs> you know, he's got smaller things, you know, one of his aides saying, you know, what what does it bother about McCain and his vote because he's almost dead? Um, you know, he's she's got the Mueller investigation, much larger thing. He's got North Korea summit. Oh, by the way, North Korea, um, you know, it's like my daughter said about this, you know, she said, she said, she said, it's like two high school boys, you know, like, am I prettier? Am I not a pretty, am I going to, or a high school guy and a girl, am I going to invite it to date or not? She said, it's right. like, this is so silly, yeah, but, but they're playing but, with know, nukes. The, so how would you advise President Trump? The high school approach may work in this case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say this as a Republican strategist, that, uh, that, that Donald Trump promised, ran on the idea of disruption. Jeb Bush called him the chaos candidate, and now he's the chaos president. I don't think John, Donald Trump would reject that description. It's, it's, it's how he rolls. And, yes, there's a ton of legal swirling controversy around him, which he argues is uh, politically motivated uh, to distract from both his election and what he's trying to do. But I think that uh, in talking, if I were advising the president and or any Republicans running out there, they've got a lot to run on. 
Uh, and you go outside of the Beltway and outside of the kind of coastal elite sections of the country and go to Indiana like we did for one of our shows, people could care less about Stormy Daniels. That, that doesn't, that, mm. First of all, that's not a surprise to them that that, that might right. have happened. But it has nothing to do with their lives either. And what they're, what they're looking at is, you know, highest consumer confidence in a couple of decades, lowest unemployment in a couple of decades, uh, peace breaking out potentially on the, on the, on the Korean Peninsula. There are a lot of things that, in fact, when you look at the list of promises that Donald Trump said that he would deliver on, he's checking a lot of the boxes. Now, you know, he's still got the wall out there, but he's got, I think, a plan for that uh, over the course of the summer to get some funding for the wall. So in terms of just, you, if you're a candidate, I just say discard, you know, talk about what voters are looking for. They're worried about their pocketbooks, how their families are doing, safety and security. Talk about those issues. You know, the rest of it is just is just a uh, you know it, it is a legal entanglement that has nothing to do with your lives. And by the way, Donald, you know, again, this is just you and me talking. Yeah. You as, a, as an expert legal analyst, you know, if if I were advising Trump on that front, I think he's kind of doing what he has to do there too. Because I think, given what we know about Robert Mueller and the scope, the pretty broad scope of his investigation. I just say there's a pretty good chance he's going to find something. Now, what that something is, who knows the degree of, of you know, how, how serious it is, but there'll be something, right? right. And so that something, whatever that something is, if there's a Democratic House, and there may be, although I think that chance is not quite as, 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 as I'm not as confident about that big blue wave any, anymore as, as a lot of people were, but let's just say the Democrats take the House, then I think there's no question, no matter what, uh, no matter what Mueller finds, they will they will move to impeach. So, uh, in, under that scenario, Donald Trump's best strategy is a political one to convince enough members of the Senate and, you know, ultimately the Senate to hold firm and beat impeachment. And beat impeachment, right? And so, to so just hold. I mean, look, I I understand what you're talking about outside the Beltway, outside of the East Coast. Uh, I. I go. My folks are in a small town in eastern Washington state, and what they care about there is are the orchards and are are right. you know things getting what's what's you know small town um, you know what is happening there. But the things the concern about tariffs and you know yeah, uh, yeah. all that that's hitting farmers hard. So you're talking well, about pocketbook th- issues there. No question. Uh, uh, a lot of farmers are concerned about the tariffs. Uh, and by the way, as a, as a, you know, I was, I, I used to be a Democrat a hundred years ago, and I, one of the things that led me across the bridge was, first of all, a message of compassionate conservatism. Right. But included in all of that, one of the things was I was a radical free trader, and I hated what Democrats and unions and, and Democratic presidents did on trade, which is now exactly what Trump is doing. So for, for me, the whole idea of imposing tariffs, I think has potentially huge long-range consequences, and and you know we may be seeing an uptick right now in the economy, but because of that, and because of the huge budget deficits, again, you know, typically uh, as a conservative, I really worry about the budget deals that have been made that have run up the deficit to to record numbers, so that we're maybe enjoying a, a very short-term kind of blush right now in the economy, but with tariffs and the deficits. And the debt, I think there's some potentially huge long-term We're going to have to pay. We're going to have to pay at some point. I, I want to switch just right. a little bit. You were a founder at some point in your career of something called No Labels. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, a reform, sort of an influence of, of money on campaigns and, and getting money. My understanding of it is, is, is shallow here, but uh, really of, of the reform of money in campaigns and to kind of reform getting getting the issue of kind of it's getting the whole, you know, playing the playing, playing the field a little bit or leveling the field a little bit of money in campaigns. Is that right? Well, let me say two things about that. One is that's something that I've always been concerned about. That's why I initially liked John McCain, because I've been in campaigns and I know how it works. And the fact is that you've got to raise money to run campaigns. And if somebody's going to give you a million bucks versus ten bucks, Mm -hmm. I know who's going to get the call and I know who gets at the door first. And that's not a free market of ideas, and I'm a free market guy. So that that's one thing. I've so I've always been. I call that my uh, steep steep hill and big rock <laughs> project. But uh, I also help co-found No Labels, which is is really broader in the sense that it's just attempting to bring some bipartisanship to these discussions in a time that's so highly partisan. And and what we're trying to do there is just get Democrats and Republicans in the room talking to each other, which they rarely even do anymore. And just just try and heal the breach a little bit so that we at least get some discussions and some and to start with some low lying you know issues, not immigration, you know not the 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 third rail issues and and we, actually the organization has had a, a despite all the and, and because of what we're hearing out there there's you know fifty or sixty members of this caucus now, and as you know in congress fifty yeah fifty or sixty oh. votes of of you know this half republican half democrats that can be a big swing vote and and they put they push through a, you know, a no budget no pay idea, which I think is brilliant. Which is you know that we don't pay Congress until they pass the budget, which is you know fundamentally their their job. So that if they don't pass it, they don't get paid, which I which helped us wow. uh, helped us through a budget impasse a while right. ago. So it's doing it's doing good work. It's it's a, like I said, it's 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 hard given the partisan times, but it's important, and we're actually making more progress than most people would imagine. And that's because I think people in home districts increasingly are saying, you know what, I don't care if it's a Republican solution or a Democratic solution. Yeah, Let's just, just get have it some done. Problem solving. Well, you know, yeah. so, like you said, some maybe some of the low-hanging fruit. You know, it doesn't have to be the, the most controversial issues. In fact, it can't be the lo- m- most controversial issues, but some low-hanging fruit to get some some people in the same room. Again, I mean, I kind of going back to the places where I grew up. You know, these are not angry people that are portrayed as some of the Trump voters, you know, necessarily. These are right. people that just want a nice life for themselves and, and don't want to get blown up, you know? Exactly right. And so if you could get people to, I mean, it sounds like a kumbaya moment, and, and I don't mean it to be naive. It's really not that naive. And so that's, I guess, uh, when I saw this in your background, I was really struck by it. And, and um, anyway, I just sort of wanted to bring it up and say I think it's a really uh, – I, I think it's well, a terrific thanks. idea. There's, it's a dark tunnel, but there's some light out there, Good. I, I assure you. Good. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's great, and I kind of wrap it into your content revolution um, because I think that is happening. And I think that, uh, you know, when I bring my daughter, my my 21-year-old, and I talk to her about it, she's like, Mom, well, of course, like just – I mean, and, and of course, because the millennials are – Part of it, they're they're you know running full steam ahead ahead with it. Um, and as you said yourself, when you were going and 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 doing this last piece, um, those were the twenty some year olds that you're 
you're surrounding yourself with. And this latest Roseanne Barr thing, I think we're going to see, you know, it's a lot that's going to be pushing the envelope even more. You ended your show um, this 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 greatest circus, uh, the circus, the greatest circus on earth. I, I, for, I've got to tell you guys out there, you have to watch the show. It is such a great show. It's on Showtime. You can watch it on demand. It is really, you're going to binge watch the show. It's, it's, it's really fantastic with Mark McKinnon, who's my guest here on The Pursuit of Justice today. It's such a fabulous show. Re- really, really good. Um, and I can see why it's now in season. This is the third season, right? Third season, where we're through the spring run, and then we're going to start a whole fall run that'll cover all the midterms starting Labor Day through the election. Oh, wow. I can't wait to just keep watching it. It's really, really done well. It's produced well. It's just all put together fantastically. But it ends kind of, uh, my daughter and I are just sort of at the edge of our seat because it ends with this, uh, you know, it starts with the whole shit show, shit show thing. And then <laughs> it ends with, you know, um, well, Trump has been, you know, it's been on, he kind of you know, loves this chaos thing. You know, he really does well in, in a chaos, thrives in chaos, crisis, handles one crisis from, a, when, go, you know, leers from, veers one crisis to the other. And actually, wait a second, maybe that's his MO. What are we talking about with crises? <laughs> this is actually, this is great. You know, we're, what are we talking about? This is fabulous. This is how, you know, wait a second, this is how we wonderfully he does it. Uh, until... Maybe it's going to be the absolute perfect storm, and I don't mean Stormy Daniels, whatever. That's you know pish posh. Yeah, it's just that's, the conversion. Yeah, that's pish posh, whatever. But no, it'll, just, yeah. it'll be it'll be so much of a storm that it will be the perfect storm in a bad sense. And you leave us like that at the end of the show. And I, <laughs> I want to ask you, now that I've got you here, because I had you know the show ended and the, and the credits went up, and my daughter and I. Were like, ah! We're throwing food at the screen and everything. I'm like, wait, wait, sweetheart. I have him on the show because, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, is that really what what's gonna? I mean, is that what you is that what you're thinking is happening? Is that it's it's veered too much left and right and up and down and sideways that you know the crisis cannot you know cannot sustain this kind of crisis maintenance? The Trump administration. We'll see that. that it's, but as Chris Christie said at the end of the show, the president's ready. He's, he's you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just finished reading an article about Bob Mueller and his and his and his Vietnam experience. This guy is a serious character, and you know it's going to be buttoned up, and it has been buttoned up all along. So, I, I think you know he's just going to lay out one piece of a pretty sprawling. Uh, investigation that, you know, since it's gone to the president's personal attorney and since he's been involved in huge real estate dealings. And, you know, this this is not going to end anytime soon and not easily. And, uh, you know, you're much more of a legal expert than I am, so you know all the various strands where this thing could go. But but I think uh, I, I think I think one thing we know about Robert Mueller already is that there's going to be a lot of surprises. Mm. There's a lot we don't know. And, 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 you know, we already know a lot. So just think about that. We know a lot, and there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> that's, 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 that's pretty frightening in a way if you think about it. Mark McKinnon, you kind of had that evil laugh there at the end of your sentence. Do you want to insert <laughs> another evil laugh, or should we just have the producers insert one for you? 
<laughs> oh, no. Listen, I, I will say at the end of the day that I, I, steal, I steal this from Cory uh, Booker, but I'm a prisoner of hope. And I, you know, we're testing the guardrails of democracy. Donald Trump is a very interesting experiment. People want a disruption. They're getting it. A lot of things are happening. A lot, a lot of people wanted it, not, maybe not in the way that they wanted it. It's, it's something we've never seen before. Uh, and but you know I think at the end of the day it, we may, we may get into some kind of constitutional crisis but once again I have faith in our system and at the end of the day I think we'll get through it but in the meantime you know for you and for us and for everybody else covering this circus there's no lack of material. Mark McKinnon with the Pursuit of Justice with Lise Wheel I am so pleased that you've been with us today Mark thank you so much hey. I just I can't wait to tune into the next episode of the circus on Showtime and I uh, just love it and love you haven't been on the program with us today it's thank you so much hey thanks for having me kick it hard and keep pursuing justice Wow, uh, that was so great to hear from Mark McKinnon, the creator and star of The Circus, aptly named on Showtime, uh, commenting on everything from the Roseanne Barr uh, fiasco, controversy, whatever you want to call it, to politics in D.C. as it affects every one of us in this country. Uh, an amazing uh, uh, interview from an amazing guy, really, um, and so apt for us as we uh, continue on on our pursuit of justice in this country. Uh, I hope you'll keep tuning in to the pursuit of justice. We bring you these interviews where I'm really trying to bring in these guests and ask them the questions that you would ask them, uh, the hard-hitting questions that you would ask them, uh, as you pursue justice in your life. Till next time, I'm Lise Wheel. <laughs>